rigid structure, grind, grind, grind. We need a balance of the two. Just like if we have a sandbox, right? And the sandbox itself is our masculine energy, the structure that we have and the guidance that we have within our framework. We are given a boundary to play within with the sand and the sand Mm. itself is that feminine energy. But if we don't, if we lack the boundary, the sand is going to do us no good. It's going to disappear and like spread very, very thin, very fast. So we need to find the right balance of both. And depending on where you're at in your life, certain areas of your life, you might be playing with a smaller, more refined sandbox. You need really, really rigid structure and less like I need to go with the flow. And then in other areas, we need a really big, stru- you know, very loose structure and you can play all you want in it creativity kind of lies in that second one. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to It's the Bearded Man podcast with your favorite, the world's favorite bearded man, Bob Bay. Each week with our guest episodes, I try to put the spotlight on someone who in my eyes has given themselves permission to live a life that is authentic to them. Our guest today is from Silver Spring, Maryland. He was a D1 swimmer at the University of Delaware. He's the host of the Athletic Mindset podcast, a podcast focused on analyzing how our mind affects the rest of our lives through elite athletes, coaches, and other experts that he talks to. He's also the founder of Forever Athlete, a program to help you find your flow formula through unique resources, experiences, and community. Today on the podcast, fellow bearded brother, Corey Camp. Dude, I'm just there gonna need is. you to follow me around and, and make that intro my whole life. 100%, brother. And I, I appreciate you leading the way and giving me permission to uh, grow this beard. You gotta let it. You gotta let it grow. It's immediate. As I told you before, we even got into the podcast. Plus two points immediately when I'm podcasting with a fellow bearded brother, man. Nailed it. Absolutely nailed it, dude. So good. Stoked to be here. It's fun to be on the other side of the mic. I know. That's why I was telling you. Sit back, relax, enjoy yourself because you know the pressure when you're the host. You are, you are controlling the ship, and either the ship goes down or keeps sailing. And and as a as a host, it is our job to make sure the boat is always sailing. So uh, I I hope that. uh, you can kind of sit back, relax, and really enjoy yourself today because uh, I know the pressure of being a host. It's a, it's a lot of work. It's very fulfilling, but there's this constant pressure of like when the episode ends, you're just like, I did it. <laughs> I did it again. I was about to say, I wore a light-colored hoodie right now, so we'll know by the end if the pit stains are showing, <laughs> like how comfortable I really was throughout. <laughs> All right. My goal, no pit stains allowed if people are watching visually. <laughs> that's, that's my goal. Uh, whether it be... Swimming from a young age, or I know you left your sales career at one point, you've launched a podcast, you've started a business to help others. You've you've been able to learn to listen to yourself and your ideas, which in of itself is not an easy thing to do. And I think for a lot of people, it takes one one time to, to listen to their inner gut. And then they finally just like, oh, I can do this in anything else that I do in my life. Mm-hmm. How how did you learn to give yourself permission to actually listen to your honor, your inner gut uh, when it's telling you I kind of want to do this? Dude, that's a great great first question. I love it. Um, Let's go, baby. Let's go. I would say I learned the ability to listen to my gut through swimming. It wasn't until later in my life that I learned the permit, like the permission piece mm-hmm. of actually honoring what is that saying. I think that's. 
one of the challenges with athletics is you get really in tune with your body and your mind and what's going on. But then we're, I mean, we're seeing a shift right now in sports in general, where we're seeing more spaces created where it's honoring the feeling part and the intuition Mm. and all of that come to place. But that wasn't always the case. And you know, it as a, a marathon runner yourself, like, not yet, but almost. Finger, I mean, by the time this airs, so you know, who knows? You'll be crushing like 10. But you know, like there's a certain time and place where you might not feel like running one day, yeah. but you kind of got to do it because you have this bigger picture in mind. You have this bigger goal. And that's a great really habit to, to build. And we can talk about grit and the importance of grit and put persevering and pushing through things. I definitely have plenty of that in my story and in my DNA, but then there's also that permission of, well, what if my intuition is telling me this isn't it anymore? Mm -hmm. And I think what I have noticed, especially my time since swimming has come and gone is that I've realized that my intuition, my awareness has brought up that these different things are in my life and they, while they might've served me up to a certain point, they don't serve me anymore or they've they're done serving me to like my fullest potential. Mm. So I, I tell everyone, like I'm grateful for each part of my journey. I don't have any resentment towards the time that I did in mortgage refinancing. It was like mm. not the sexiest job in the world, but I enjoyed it at that point in time when I first got into it, I was actually excited about it. And then after eight months, I wasn't, (laughs) I realized, all right, I'm going to try to find something that's more of a career. That's going to light me up beyond that. So I got into swim coaching and then I realized, okay, I want to do a little bit more than just swim coaching. I want to make a bigger impact. So got into fitness and then just through all of that journey, I think I've stayed really curious and because I've allowed that curiosity to come into my life, it's allowed me to notice intuitively how am I feeling? Is this lighting me up anymore? Mm. And when I've allowed that space to be created here, what's happening then through a lot of inner work, shout out to all the coaches that I've hired over the years too. I've been able to give myself the permission to really get okay with quitting something to then become better at something else to really for sports analogy, like switch teams to a team that I know is going to be more championship caliber and take me to that higher level and better suit me as a player and as an athlete. That's kind of what I've, how I viewed life ever since then. Wow. Yeah. That's such an, such a difficult thing to go through. I would imagine at the time of like that first initial leaving swimming, the thing that you've been working on your entire life. And now it's like, you know, entering into the career world or, just even trying to navigate that first step is such a, like it's, it's recreating our identity. What is mm. really what that is. And I think that in of itself takes so much courage and so much confidence when you don't know what that next step is going to be, but also trusting, like the only way I'm ever going to figure that out is actually by taking a step and seeing, and if it doesn't work out where well, you're like, all right, well, I'll, ch- I'll switch it up again. Or I just think that a, just to get into a headspace where you're open-minded and you're curious to follow these interests, that's a game changer because I think a lot of people in society won't go towards that thing that they they think inside they really want to do, but they're like, no, nah, I, I can't leave this job. I've been doing this for 10 years. Why, why would I leave yeah. now when everything is on the up for me? 
uh, that's the ego coming into play a lot mm. of times, right? Like it's, it's tough to accept that you're going to be a beginner again in some capacity. And I definitely struggled with that. Like my initial journey in, in getting out of swimming was not an easy one. Like I had a lot of success at Delaware where I swam, set a bunch of school records, won some MVPs. Like it was good. Like life was good. And my last ever race as a, as a swimmer, as a collegiate swimmer was slower than I was my junior year of high school. And like, that was it. There was no pro level option available for me. Like that was like curtain closed and seen. And it's kind of like when you're reading a book, and you hate the ending or you watching mm-hmm. game of thrones and you're like, why did they, why did they end game of thrones like this? Like it <laughs> was such a good thing. And now it's terrible. That's how yeah. I felt about my own life. I was like, this was such a good thing. I had such a good thing going. And then they just messed up the last three episodes of my life. Like what's going on. And that became coupled with my next identity uh, was, well, I'm going to become a physical therapist. And I had wrapped so much of my time and effort into me as a swimmer that I didn't really put time and effort into academics. So mm-hmm. compiled the fact that crip- like crippling last swim for me, then I was given two weeks later, multiple rejection letters from all of the PT schools that I applied to saying, Hey, uh, yeah, that plan B that you thought you had, <laughs> that's, that's not on the table anymore. I was like, all right, cool. Two L's in like two weeks. <laughs> feeling great. Feeling great. Um, it just, it, it took me a lot to really like get okay with that. And it I wasn't okay with it for a while. Like it manifested in a lot of actions where I was drinking really heavily. You know, I finally, for the first time in my college life, I had I was taking one class. I was only taking three credits inside <laughs> oh class twice a week. And I was like, free time. This is amazing. Well, I used that free time to be at the bar like five times a week yeah. and quickly realized like, oh, I am all in and all out in pretty much everything I do. That bad behavior included, I wouldn't say bad behavior, but not serving me to my highest level behavior. Um, so yeah, it was it was a challenging identity to shed. And I, it's really what led me in creating forever athlete was I wanted to create something that I actually felt like I could identify with still, because I thought to me, the notion at 22 to be told that everything I did up until that point in time had no value anymore. I was like, I I don't like sitting in interviews and telling people, Oh, these were my, (laughs) these were my times. And these are the accolades I had. And they were like, sick. That's not going to get you the job. That's yeah. not going to get you into PT school. I was like, it has to have some value one way or another. And I started down the self-discovery journey of looking at the meta skills that athletics provided me. And as I started to understand those more and more, I was like, there's got to be other athletes out there that are also struggling to grasp this concept too. What if we create something that allows them to really feel like themselves and mm. I love how you started this show, giving them the permission to feel like themselves. Yeah. I think that's the biggest thing. Yeah. I think even in the interview where it's like, you might be telling them, these are all my awards. And, and, and as the 
interviewer of the job might be thinking to themselves like, okay, he got first place, second place. Like, how is that going to help us with our As operation here? Yeah. But what I really think the interviewer should have been looking at it is, or asking back, well, how, what was the process for you to get to this end destination? Because you, I understand the argument of a college athlete, like how, how are they going to, they don't have any work experience, any intern experience while they're in college. Like, how are they going to do well in this job? I wasn't a college athlete, but I damn well respect and understand the process, dedication, and ability to stay disciplined while in college to to execute, especially a D1 athlete. I mean, you're talking about, and I heard you talk about in past interviews where you're waking up at 5 a.m. You're, you're, you're bundling up on that East Coast winter, <laughs> winter months, and you got to walk across campus to get to the pool. Most college kids, 98%, including myself, I was sleeping until 8, 8 a.m., 9 a.m., you know, rolling out of bed, getting to class for 10, 15, big deal. But that discipline in of itself and the layers of commitment that it would have taken to be a college athlete, I think, is the what the interviewer and what people should be looking at post-college life is like, it might not be work experience. It, these these accolades might not seem like they they are worth something, but what was the process that it took us to get there? I think in of itself just shows you so much about somebody. Yeah. And I think you brought up a really good point. And it's one of the things that I have learned about my own biorhythm. And we all have a unique biorhythm inside of us. A lot of people are familiar with circadian rhythms and, oh, like I'm supposed to wake with the sun and like go to bed with the sun. It's like, well, we're really kind of categorized into three different variations of that. I definitely genetically am skewed towards, I thrive in the early morning hours and getting- That's why I like you, Corey. That's why I like you. I know, you. that's why we we're connect. this ankle out, baby. But it's like, I thrive in those hours and it's like this twisted thing in my head that I'm getting ahead of the world. Mm. That's why moving here from the East Coast was one of the hardest <laughs> things for me. Because I was like- behind. In my mind, I'm three hours behind <laughs> East Coast. I just can't keep up, man. This Gets up at three. Everyone on the East Coast, it's only 6 a.m. They're still getting Yeah, up. like I'm still behind the 4 a.m.ers on the East Coast. So, yeah. But when I started to understand that and started to leverage kind of my life in my day-to-day to be that, I noticed I found more just the flow became easier again. I felt more in tune to myself. And I... That's what I think why I struggled with the corporate job because they're not really conducive to that, let alone Mm. on the flip side of someone wired like us that we thrive in that early morning window. Totally. Our brain totally shuts down past like 5, 6 p.m. for work stuff, let alone like high level. And the first job that I had was like an eight to eight kind of job. Mm. So like- I thrived in that early morning hours, but then come like 4 p.m., I was like, I, dude, I just want to go home. Like, yeah. why am I still here? I've knocked out all the stuff. I've been productive. And there was no room for communication in that company culture to be like, hey, I think I might be better suited if I could come in from six to six. Mm-hmm. They'd be like, no, forget about that. Like, Meet, team meetings are happening at 7 p.m. Like you need to be here for those kind of deal. Um, so that's something I, I think people can start to get in tune with as well, looking at how are they genetically wired? What are their biorhythms? And we call them chronotypes 
understanding how they're genetically wired to optimize best and function best throughout a given day. When you understand that setup, you can start to plan your day a little bit more accordingly. And then hopefully you work in, you know, maybe you run your own business or you work in company cultures that are open to this kind of having conversation. And I think if more people are open to having that conversation of, hey, this is going to increase productivity as a whole, like I'm going to want to be there more, <laughs> which yeah. is going to help your employee retention. Totally. It's going to help introduce or produce a uh, higher company productivity. It's like a win all around. Like there's Across no reason the companies these days shouldn't be having these conversations. Yeah. So to me, it's always been, it's not about the hour you wake up. It's about what do you spend the first couple hours of your day doing? Mm-hmm. Because like you're saying, like me and you recognize we're early morning people. We like getting up early. For me, it's always been like, I'm not getting texts and emails. It's just super quiet. I love the stillness. I love starting my day with the sunrise, but there's other people I know that like later in the afternoon, like, like a later start and that's fine. Mm -hmm. But I also think too, we, and you've probably been there, uh, growing up, maybe a, a certain job or when you're, there's jobs like that you can do these 12, 15 hour shifts. Like when I was selling shoes at finish line or driving Uber, it's a mindless job to a certain extent. So you could just pound the pavement and put in the hours. But when you're talking about high level thinking and strategies, I I don't care who you are. There's a, there's a certain time frame of energy of juice that you have in a day that you can utilize. And I've even heard Jeff Bezos talk about this on an interview or a podcast, pretty like within the last six months, where he will not have a high level conversation before 10 a.m. and not after 4 p.m. So he's giving mm. himself a six hour window of the day. Where let's talk about high level, very important decision making, and then that's it. So I'm not saying either of us are trying to be like Bezos or anybody listening is trying to be like him, but I, I think that's just an example of like you one, you have to pay attention to what hours of the day you work work best for you. And then two, you have to understand that as much caffeine as you drink, as much sleep as you get, whatever that might look like, you still only have so much juice in a day that you can actually be productive and you have to lean into the hours that you know works best for you. Yeah. I mean, we, when, when I work with people on the coaching side of things and life optimization, like we want to first look at what are their strengths? What are the, what can they play really, really well to with Mm. ease? Because we want to make life quite honestly, as frictionless as possible in the areas that we can help. Mm. And then when we do that, then we can choose to do the hard things. We can choose to go run. Marathon running is a perfect example of this, right? Like if you had this goal of you want to run a marathon, but then had no training plan, there's a lot of friction for you to even get started. And odds are you probably won't start or mm. stay consistent with it. But if we can make it as frictionless as possible, you, you're, we have an alignment of where you want to go and who you want to be by knocking out this marathon. We can create a training plan and kind of make it so it's that mindless execution that you talked about, like some of those other jobs. Then you can show up and apply those cognitive resources to the things that actually matter, like mm. the quality of your effort during <laughs> during that. You know what I mean? So yeah. trying to make decisions as easily as possible. That's why I think like, I didn't realize this until after the fact, that's why I was able to thrive. And my GPA was higher in the swimming season months 
than it was in the non-swimming season months, even though I had more free time. And it was because everything, to use your language, was dialed in. And it had to be when I was swimming. Like there was no room for error. Everything was set up for me. Study hall, dining hall hours, practice, everything. So I could just go and it was just turning on a switch. I just executed what I had to. I worked my butt off for two hours in the pool. Okay, great. Then I had a time block where I could go home, eat, refuel, prep, or you know, have whatever meal prepped for me if I was going to the dining hall. I didn't have to think. It was just execution. And that's what I think why I love your routines and everything that you're doing. You do a fantastic job of setting up your day, at least the controllable parts of your day, so that yes. it is just execute, execute, execute. And then everything else is all right, now I'm prepared for when life is going to throw me a curveball. I'm sitting on it. I'm, I've been watching for it. And I'm ready to knock it out of the park. We're good. Yeah. It's like when you have those routines and habits dialed in, you're on autopilot mode, but you're not. And what I mean by that is you are coasting along because you know what is happening in that given day. You're not debating and what, like the subtle should I go work out or should I or should I put more hours into this project? Or those subtle little question marks are really just hot, stopping you from continuously flowing. Mm. And then what the beauty is, is like when you put these time frames, whether it was when you were swimming and you knew from 2 to 4 p.m. I have to get my homework done and then I'm going back in the pool from 4 to 6. It's like when 4 o'clock hits, you got to go. Like if the mm-hmm. work isn't done, you're going to be hurting tomorrow or you have to get up earlier. So it 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 that's that's that has been how i've avoided creative block is that i put time gaps of when i create and i i'll think ahead of time what the subject or the the Mm -hmm. topic is going to be and then i go all right you got two hours to dial in on this and of course it's not going to get done in a day i always give myself you know a day to get it the first uh round maybe a second day for some revisions but putting those got those like guardrails of like i have two hours then you're forcing yourself to go all in and something that takes me two hours it might have taken me five hours yeah. if I didn't put these constraints of like get it done or you're gonna you're, you have to move on to the next thing. Yeah, we want to leverage Parkinson's law of the time, like the task is gonna fill the time allotted for it. So mm-hmm. if you don't have those constraints, then you you end up with a eight hour workday scratching yeah. your head like what did I what did I actually accomplish? <laughs> Where did it I, even go? Where like, did it go? Yeah, and then you look at your phone usage, and you're like, "Oh, six hours were on Instagram. That makes sense." <laughs> like, no wonder I wasn't. The, productive. Math, the math is adding up. I like to to think of it as a sandbox, right? And being in LA now, we can have this conversation of masculine versus feminine energy, and like mm. being in the be- sense of being and just going with the flow versus like rigid structure. And I think that's la does it really really well of like having a lot of feminine energy and beingness Mm -hmm. and then the east coast has the like region structure grind 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 we need a balance of the two just like if we have a sandbox right and the sandbox itself is our masculine energy the structure that we have and the guidance that we have within our framework we are given a boundary to play within with the sand and the sand Mm -hmm. itself is that feminine energy but if we don't if we lack the boundary the sand is going to do us no good. It's going to disappear and like spread very, very thin, very fast. So we need to find the right balance of both. And depending on where you're at in your life, certain 
areas of your life, you might be playing with a smaller, more refined sandbox. You need really, really rigid structure and less like I need to go with the flow. And then in other areas, we need a really big, stru- you know, very loose structure and you can play all you want in it. Creativity kind of lies in that second one in that latter yeah. sandbox size. You know, we, we want to have an hour. We kind of want to have a rough outline of like, this is the goal that we want to accomplish in that. And then from there, let it kind of write itself or flow, whatever you want to call it. Yeah. I, I always say uh, you have an advantage if you're an East Coaster coming out West, mm-hmm. but you're going to be heard if you go West Coast to East because we're ready to go and you're going to run laps out here around people as I'm sure you're already seeing and West Coast going East. They're like, come on, like it's 10 a.m. What do you mean we have to have six meetings before 10 a.m.? Like it's just a much faster pace. So, but I love that. I love the sandbox analogy. I think that's really a great way to look at it. But um, even going off of that, the goal setting, mm-hmm. right? How, how do you approach setting goals, whether it's personally, career, whether it's helping your clients set goals for themselves? And we kind of had yeah. mentioned this before about the marathon, like you're not going to be able to just wake up and go, but how, how do you approach setting realistic goals that will eventually set you up for long-term success? Yeah, great question. It was something I was got really, really good at through athletics, especially it. swimming is one of those sports similar to running, right? Like you, the odds of you just like waking up tomorrow and like going for PR in any of the distances kind of, kind of low, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, like totally. some stars have to align and like your recovery has to be great and all, all these things, especially like the faster you get. So when I got to a certain point in swimming, it was like, oh man, like I was just hoping the, the moon cycle was just right <laughs> in the world that I could shave off a tenth of a second in the mile, which is like a 16, 15 minute long race. And I'd get excited about that, which is like even the crazier <laughs> twisted thing. You know what I mean? Yeah. One tenth of a second, a hundredth of a second, still best time. So understanding how do we goal stack? And we we see it a lot with this talk of, well, what's your purpose? What's your why? If you can figure mm-hmm. out your purpose, it's like, yes, that, that really helps. That's going to be your like overarching big picture top of the goal stack. And then from there, we want to try to narrow it down, looking at what's your goal in the next three to five years. Like, what would be the goal? The, the why is what's the why behind this podcast? Okay. That's mm-hmm. great. But how do you accomplish that? Most of the time, why's are not anything that you can check off and be like, well, did I do that today? Did I not do that today successfully? So we, we narrow it down into three to five year goals. And then from there, we want to look at a yearly goal that kind of is aligning further up the path and then mm. quarterly, monthly, weekly, all the way down to, we want to try to get really, really nitty gritty on some day goals. Like, what can I do today? It's going to make sure that I'm moving the needle up in all of these. And then if we do that really, really well, we kind of look back and we're like, holy crap, I, I did this in a year. I, know. I did that in three years. Like that is absolutely incredible. And it makes these, especially for the high achiever and the people that are have mountainous goals in their life, it makes it way more manageable. Because a lot of what I see a lot of times and what I struggled with for a while is I felt like I knew where I wanted to go, but I just <laughs> was looking up this mountain getting crushed by the overwhelm of the journey that I had in front of me. Yeah. Getting clear on that goal stack allows you to, as they say, enjoy the process, but Mm -hmm. 
actually clearly see what that process is. Yeah. And then you can take steps and then you can, if you track everything, you can go back and kind of perform feedback and see like, Oh, this worked, this didn't work. I'm going to refine this. Like I circle it again, back to the marathon training. Cause it's something you and I have in common. It's like, totally. If I set out goal was to run a marathon and I messed up the goal stacking and I was trying to do too much too soon. It's not the end of the world. As long as I'm tracking it, I'm getting feedback and it's just giving me a clear sense of direction of where I should actually go to meet my challenge skill sweet spot. Like where do I operate the best? And then I can, as long as we have that self-awareness, we keep tapping back into that. We can start to navigate all of this stuff a lot better rather than having all this friction in our life, setting ourselves up for failure, all the other fun things. Yeah. I, I love the, and I have a, I don't know if I ever showed this to you, but I have a, a tattoo. It says 1% on my, on my knuckle. There we go. And that has become like a daily reminder to me of like, what is the, what are the little things I can do today that are going to make, put me in a better position for tomorrow? Going to grow me by 1% because it, the, the, I think the biggest problem majority of people have with making change or staying consistent is we think about where we want to be and where we are today. And it is, it is so overwhelming. It's like instant anxiety. Just like there's times here and there where I'm just like, it hits me too. Like out yeah. of right feel, I feel like I got socked in the face and like, holy shit. Like I've done a lot, I think, but I also have so much where I want to go. Like, what am I going to do? And then I'm like, all right, slow down. What can you do today? What are just two to three things and like like a podcast like this today this is a massive win for me and this is a big step for me moving forward and then maybe you know i'll have a podcast next week well that's going to be another big step and it's like when you when you can reprogram your mind to stop think like know where the big picture is know where you want to go know what that looks like but then just stay focused on the day-to-day and fall in love with the process of the 24 hours we i know you said it too it's like trust the process fall in love with it but it's it's the key it is the key because if we dread the day-to-day and we think that some magical destination is going to bring us the ultimate amount of happiness, it's not. It's going to be short-lived because once you get to one mountain one mountain peak, you then realize there's another one right behind it that now you have to climb again. So I think it's really important to find ways to, and it seems like you've taught yourself and your clients to break it down so that you know what you can do on the day-to-day to allow themselves to actually get into that flow yeah. of there's just, they're just focused on the 24 hours at a time and slowly, but surely helps you really enjoy every day of the week because you recognize every single day is just a different focus of what is the priority and what am I, what am I going to be my, what is my 1% today? Yeah. Yeah. We want to look at like how we actually enjoy the process. I think is something we can explore because I know that term has just gotten like thrown around forever. Mm-hmm. And being from the East Coast, I'm assuming you don't like the 76ers as much as I don't like them. Uh, <laughs> Go Celtics, maybe. All Boston. You know, it's like, God, they were just so annoying with that. I mean, they had some, <laughs> there was some truth in it. But it didn't, it didn't work for them. Like, yeah. They didn't win the championship. But how do we actually trust the process? How do we actually like fall in love with the process? Like so many people tell us we like need to or should. And I think it really begins with understanding a couple different neurochemicals, the main one being dopamine and dopamine gets released in our brain when we do things that we enjoy or things that we are craving, right? It's like we get a dopamine hit when we check our social media, we get a dopamine hit when 
we eat that cookie that we were like craving and listening mm-hmm. to our intuition. How can we start to set up our goals to allow us to get the dopamine hit along the way towards the big picture is really mm-hmm. how we fall in love with that process. And what is stopping most people is we're addicted to dopamine in the wrong forms in the social media, in the food, in the like quiet or not the quiet in the talking and all that stuff. It's why you see people that are able to consistently stay with like a meditation practice or something of that nature, be way more in tune with the process and have like much greater introspective. It's because they've learned to recondition their baseline of what dopamine is doing to their system. They're Mm -hmm. able to uh, leverage work to be as exciting, if not more exciting than the social media. And that's going to be a game changer when we're talking about managing distraction. Like we're living in a day and age now where the most successful people are going to be pretty much the ones that just don't get distracted throughout the day. Like think of what that does to your productivity. If you don't get distracted, goes through the roof. You don't need to echo earlier. We don't need the six hour block. We could get that done in two. If we are able to be laser focused, dialed in, no distractions. Yes. But a lot of us struggle with that. Because we're so addicted to these different things. So going, I like to go through a dopamine detox, a little reset of our system. And it starts off with looking at like, okay, how much like screen time is unfortunately a number one priority and it's a necessity for a lot of our jobs. But how can we control that? Personally, I don't use my phone for the first hour of my day in the last hour maybe even two hours of my day. It goes off, it goes on the charger and I don't see it. It's on do not disturb. I got an old school alarm clock in my room. So I'm not even tempted. That's where a lot of people think like, oh, I'm just going to do that. And then they still use their phone as their alarm clock. And just subconsciously- but they're still scrolling. Yeah. It's like, on the nice hand though. So I'm not, I'm, I'm okay. It's not in bed with me. So like, I'm not <laughs> sleeping with it. Yeah. <laughs> like, oh, it's principle. It's still there. Um, <laughs> but if like subconsciously you pick up that phone, right. To turn off your alarm. What's happening is even if you are super quick with it, you just hit dismiss, flip it back over. Subconsciously, you've already seen some sort of notifications mm. or worse. You saw no notifications. Now you start to think, well, what the heck does Bobby not care about me? Why isn't he texting me in the middle of the night? Like what's, what's going on with my life? Mm. (laughs) So if we can resist that urge and start to train our brain to not be so distraction driven, then we actually start to be process driven. We actually start to get dopamine from, Oh, I'm, I sat down on my calendar and I, I knew I have these goals today and one of them is to record this podcast and be really, really present for it while I'm here. That doesn't happen if I have my phone and my notifications on. Mm. So getting through like a dopamine detox, putting the screens away, I like to say just like you would periodize training runs, lifting, all of that, we can do the same thing with our usage with technology. It's like once a day, probably trying to dial it back a little bit, the usage. Mm. We might need to turn it off. Then- once a week, probably go extended periods, two, three, four hours. Once a month, I challenge people to go a whole day without it. Once a year, hopefully more than that, 
go a whole weekend without any screens and see like what that does to your quality of life and your ability to focus. You start to retrain the brain to actually give a shit about what's in front of you. I know. So it's so, so important. Like I, I think people, if they follow me and they see me on Instagram, they're like, this guy's always on his phone, but I intentionally document Mm -hmm. and create and I get out. I really am so hyper aware and I will start beating. I I pick certain times of the day where I I do like want to scroll, see what's happening within the people that I follow and try to show love and support. But I intentionally do a really, I try my best. I'm not an expert. I'm not the best at it and it's Mm -hmm. taking time. But like, I try to be very aware of like, get in there, post, do the thing because I recognize it as a tool for everything that I'm trying to do as, as I'm sure it is for you, but then getting away and putting it down. Or when the weekends come and I'm out at dinner, be aware enough to recognize I'm in a great environment with great people. Why do I need to be looking uh, at other people's Instagram stories? And then the FOMO kicks in. And then you're like, mm. well, wait, I chose to go to this dinner when I could have gone to this thing. Why didn't I go to the event? Well, here's the thing. Out of sight, out of mind, if you don't click in and you and pay attention to what other people are doing on their stories, you're never going to know. And mm-hmm. it's it just t- it takes that repetition. And I think the one thing that I'm – that it, it's so clear about you, and I love because I knew, I knew this about you bef- like – very quickly uh, after I met you is you're somebody that's good at setting boundaries, mm. which is really hard to do. And I think we've both, both have, I don't want to say mastered it, but we've, I think we've got, we've done really good job of probably understanding the importance of it and building it within our own lives. How have you gone about building boundaries within your life and how do you make sure that nobody knocks them down? Yeah. Um, that's a great question. It's funny. My friends hate it because <laughs> they're like, you don't give in to peer pressure. I'm like, yeah, because I, I know. That's like, amazing. That's amazing I, skill though. Yeah. So I'll, I'll give you a little bit of context. When I was my senior year of high school into freshman year of college, I had a heart condition where I would pass out at practice and we can dive into that if, if you'd like. Mm-hmm. But Within one of the caveats of this heart condition was undiagnosed, seeing all these experts, they couldn't figure out what was wrong with me, but they did tell me this. I needed to avoid, stay away from alcohol, caffeine, and like any stimulants. I was like, well, I'm a fresh, I'm going to be a freshman in college and you're telling me I can't drink. I can't have caffeine. Like what the heck? I was one of those kids in like seventh grade that was like going through that monster phase of just like crushing monsters all the time. I was like, I love caffeine. Like, I love, I love. I was selling monsters in, mel- in middle school, like out of my backpack. People wanted, <laughs> wanted them. So I make five bucks a day to pay for lunch. Dude, I, lo- I love the hustle. But, you know, it's like that stuff. I'm like, that was like the good stuff, man. Like, mm. what do you mean? And, and then I looked at it. I was like, well, how the heck am I going to be social in, in college? How am I going to meet people without alcohol? This is crazy. Uh, you're asking the world of me. But what that got me to be really, really good at is I had a higher purpose in mind. I had my, yes. my ultimate well-being was at the forefront of every one of those decisions. So it made it easy to look at caffeine and be like, no, I can't have that. It made it easy to, when I rushed a fraternity and on bid night, they're sending us through the house. And at the, as they introduce us at the back, there's two guys with a handle ready to like pour some down your throat. And I just, I go through that whole process. I get to the back and they open up. And I go, no, I'm good. Thanks. And they're like, what do you mean? Like, no one says that to us. Like you're a pledge. Like you're, and I go, no, like I'm 
medically I can't. And they were like, wow. <laughs> you could like see it on their face. They're so disappointed. In my head, I was like, yes, I win. <laughs> wow. But like those kind of things, that conditioning over and over and over, the amount of times that I've now been to all these different situations where I've had to navigate the peer pressures of, all right, like, hey, alcohol is a perfect example. Like I wasn't all, I was really good at it then. And then when it came into my life as an actual option, I didn't have that higher filter to make that decision. And that led me to a whole bunch of other crazy things. I'm all in, all out. So understanding that about myself, I've chosen at this point in time to do, like I'm on a a nine month sober at the time of this recording. And it's like understanding because I have a higher Right now. Right now. Yep. You're nine months in. Nine months in. Let's fucking go, Corey. Crazy. But it's like it's like understanding needing like that higher filter in place. And now that I have that, because I've found a higher purpose through really the company that I'm building and really just the life I'm living and what I want to instill in other people, I see that that doesn't really align with where I'm at in my life right now. It's not to say that I'll like never do it again but I have that filter again. So I'm able to navigate the social pressures of like, I can go to a bar, I can go to a party. I can, mm. uh, it actually, it didn't happen. I was kind of bummed that it didn't happen because it would have been a good test. I was going to have a bachelor party in new Orleans a few weeks ago, but that got canceled with the hurricane. Yeah. But in a twisted way, I was like, man, I can't wait to go there and like, see the look on my friend's faces when they're like, you're on bourbon street. Like you gotta. And I'm like, Nah, I'm good. <laughs> Love that. So just setting, I think understanding a higher purpose and higher like driven purpose and understanding where in the process I am in relationship to that, that has allowed me to consistently set boundaries and then honor them. And ultimately what I've learned over the years is we make ourselves proud by setting boundaries and following through with them. Mm. And not that many people can do that. Yeah. That's such a massive. Oh man. Nine months is really like admirable. The, I did 75 days. I'm like speechless. That's why I had a pause yeah. for a second. Cause I have so many thoughts running through my mind, but I did 75 days of no booze last around this time last year. And it was the greatest thing that I could have ever done for myself because just showed me so much at that point in time in my life, I was already disciplined. I, I had like it just, if anything, it just showed me how much more I could really push myself because now there was the social aspect of like, all right, I'm going to be going out to places at the beach. It's a Saturday and people are raging and I'm just going to say, no, I'm good. Or I'm going to house party. No, I'm good. And it forced me to get even more dialed in on myself and mm-hmm. like, and really stay true to what like, this mission that I was on of like, I went, I really went out to go do for a hundred days of no booze, got to 75. My cousin from Boston came into town. There was a little bit of resistance and I just was like, all right, fuck it. I, I kind of hate that, that yeah. I didn't go the full hundred, but I also don't regret it. And I, there's no shot to him, no shots at him. Um, but, it, but the 75 days in and of itself was such a mass. It was such a big deal. Like when I would tell people like I'm 70 days, no booze. And they're like, what, what do you mean? Like, how, how is that even possible? And I think what it then was able to show me is how how important it is that when we have our eyes on a target 
that we stay true to that. Mm. And and you're going to always have people's different opinions and voices internally and externally telling you whether it is right or it's wrong, whatever. But as long as 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 our boy uh um uh blanking on his name, he wrote Relentless uh and Tim Grover. Uh, Grover. Thank you, sir. He talks about the importance of going inner and just listening to that internal mm. voice and staying true to you. And so all that to say, I respect that. And I think that just shows so much about you of, you know what you need to do for yourself. Nobody needs to understand it. And even in those moments where you feel the resistance and pressure of like, come on, we're on Bourbon Street. You should have a drink. That being able to say I'm good just shows so much about your character. And I, and I really respect that. Well, one man, I appreciate it. And it's, it's interesting because at a certain point in time, I like, it wasn't something that I embraced and loved about myself that I was like uncommon in that way. Like I freshman year, like I wanted to be chugging that bottle to the face and I wanted to be included. I felt so awkward in these social situations, but it, because I had this higher thing in purpose, I was like forced to sit in that discomfort. Mm. And I think it was ultimately a really, really good thing um, because I've seen it time and time again, whether it is a relationship with alcohol or just physical training or anything, the longer that I can sit in discomfort, like there's so much peace on that other side. Like there's a deeper level of enjoyment. I have gotten into open water swimming since moving out here. And one of the the greatest things I've realized here is like, there's going to be days where there's the surf is like incredibly challenging to get out past. And it's just like meditation. It's just like doing mindfulness. It's just like listening to that inner voice in our intuition, in our head. It might take more work to get out there, but every single time there's peace on the other side of that it doesn't matter how many waves are coming in eventually if you are relentless and you sit in there long enough and you stay in that discomfort you can push past it some days you can drop into a meditation like that and it's beautiful some days it's super glassy and i can (laughs) coast right out other days it's like 10 foot sets and you're like what the heck is this like i don't live in a surf spot this shouldn't be the case or it takes you it takes you 15 20 minutes an hour to meditate and try to drop into that and you can't but if you stuck with it long enough you could have and that's mm-hmm. kind of what i've trained myself now it's like where is that discomfort lie where can i now actively seek it and mm-hmm. sit in that and what can i learn from the other side and that just that's my like compass for everything it's like how can i yeah. get uncomfortable with stuff yeah, it's it's great time we're talking about seeking discomfort because I, I released a solo pod yesterday talking about seeking discomfort and that has become one of the greatest learnings that I had similar to where I started the podcast where I talked about how important it is to listen to your inner voice that one time and then you kind of mm-hmm. just give yourself permission to continuously listen to that voice. I think it's similarly with seeking discomfort where there are certain things that scare you for the right reasons of failure, of getting shut down, of not getting the email back, but the beauty of seeking the discomfort and actually instead of running from your fears, attacking them head on is that you can actually live peacefully knowing that you went for it. But then secondly, you don't know what could happen. You know, like 
What if the, the person you ask on a date says yes? What if you actually got an email back from that cold email that everyone tells you 99.99% nobody's going to respond? What if you starting a podcast would take you down this incredible journey and meeting all these amazing people? You just don't know. And so when these discomforts arise, you have to go, you have to go towards them. And it's really scary, but similarly, once you do it once, you just, you hold on to that experience and you go, what's going to happen if I do this for every other part of my life? And it's, it just, it's like the key that opens the door to just unlimited possibilities. And it's beautiful. Yeah. And I'd add to that. I want to be the one actively choosing to seek it rather mm-hmm. than it being thrust upon me. Yes. It's the athlete in me. I, I want to. I want to make sure that I do my homework ahead of time, my scouting report so that I can go into it and it's on my terms rather than it being thrust onto me and saying, Hey, adapt. I think that's why the past year and a half has been a struggle for a lot of people. They weren't used to actively seeking silence and seeking disconnection and uh, stillness or whatever you want to call it. So when the world stopped for, however long it has at at this point, I guess you can make the argument that it's coming back. It was very, very discomforting because their level of tolerance for discomfort was was low. Mm. I would rather actively train and do it on my terms so that if a situation were to arise, I'm going to be better adept to handling that than for me to be playing on my heels reacting left and right and like not knowing which way is up yeah you don't want to react to situations you want to respond to them Mm. reacting as somebody punches you you punch them back responding as they punch you and you and you're like my options are you know swing back at them i be the bigger person walk away you know i'm not saying it's probably not the best example (laughs) because if it's happening in real time it's you don't really have it's fight or flight but it's it's being able to sit back and t- take yourself away from the situation and go, this is, this is what I was placing. And that's exactly kind of luckily the years of meditation when the pandemic hit very quickly. That's exactly what I did. I go, all right, take yourself outside the situation. Your gym shut down. You can't control that. There's a worldwide pandemic. You can't control that. You're, you're told you can't leave your house unless you're going into the grocery store. You can't control that. Okay. What can I control? Looks like we're going to be doing a lot of reading. We're going to be doing a lot more listening to podcasts. Mm -hmm. We're going to watch some Netflix. That's what I can control. And just changing that mindset and being able to uh, kind of make a better decision based on what, you know, the way things are playing out, I think just allows you to uh, better, better take on a situation when things like that arise, you know? Absolutely. It's like, how can you... Cops are coming for you, I think. Dude, I know. They're like, dude, this guy's cooking up too much heat. This. We gotta, we gotta <laughs> send in the troops. Water down the bedroom. It's uh, it's interesting, man. You you brought up a good point. Like all of the things that were outside of your control. It's like what we. I don't know if you're a fan of stoicism at well, all. I mean, it's like you got Ryan Holiday. You got the horse, the daily stoic. Go, man. It's, it's Get on yours my bed today, table. ladies and gentlemen. I mean, literally greatest way to start a day. Go golden advice in there, but. There's like, there's a lot of power in taking that stoic approach to one, recognize. And I think that's what meditation and mindfulness practices can do really, really well for people. Like that's why it's a positive psychology, like non-negotiable. I tell people we should be eating that stuff for breakfast every single day. Amen. 
fuel our mind and our body to get into the day. It's there because it allows us to train this gap that occurs between an event happening and what do we do to respond to that event. Mm -hmm. And the more conditioned we are in the mindfulness practices, especially the longer that gap seems to feel, it's not actually like changing time, so to speak. You can still react really, really fast, but your brain is going to make a series of decisions to say, I'm going to choose this instead. I'm gonna, and stoicism is great at helping you train that opportunity to say, I'm going to take a step back. I'm going to look at what can I control? What can I not mm. control in this moment? And I'm going to select that thing that allow, is within my control and it's the best course of action for this moment. Ready, go. Yeah. Um, I mean, that was when my conditions, when I moved out here, I was moving out here with two guys that I grew up swimming with. And we were given the option of, all right, do we look for like a luxury apartment building? Like, what do we want to look for? And it was February of 2020. And I was like, guys, like LA, it's kind of still like shut down. Like gyms still weren't open. I was like, kind of a non-negotiable for me. Like movement is key. It's critical to my life. Like I need a gym around me. So uh, let's get a place with the yard. And then I'm going to put a gym in there. And we're going to make it happen. And it's been great. Mm. Now, I haven't haven't joined a gym. I've saved a ton of money <laughs> doing that. And a ton of time. And a ton of time. That's the other aspect too. Is Absolutely. That now there's no, there's no barrier of like, got to drive to the gym, got to park, got to find the motivation within you. I was very fortunate too when I moved into this place on New Year's that my roommate plays professional volleyball and he built us a gym. And it was like, all right, not only am I saving money, but the amount of time. And now there's yeah. like, just, I don't allow myself to have that excuse because it's like, you have access to a gym right outside. Like you better pick up some iron and throw these weights around, you know, frictionless decisions, man. Frictionless it's just decisions. so easy to go out and ex execute on that when you got it right there. And too, like when, for us, it's like, that's our main point of entry in and out of the house. So it's yeah. kind of like, it's like calling my you name better. every time. <laughs> like if I haven't done it today, I'm like, shit, it's looking at me. It's looking at me yeah. like, I got to go do this. How, what does the fitness uh, look like for you? Is it daily? Is it, uh, do you kind of read your body? Like, what do I want to get into today? Yeah, it depends on what I'm training for mainly. Mm -hmm. um, I, I do better when I have set things that I'm training for when it's just like mm -hmm. free for all. It's like, what are we I'm doing? just like what's everyone the, else. Like I'm, that, that goes back to the, the, the swimming, you, you know, yeah. where you're going. These are the expectations. All right. Narrow it down. How do we some, get there? Yeah. I need to have it stacked accordingly. So like right now at this point in time, they're just coming for me, dude. They're, they're looping back. Sorry. LAPD <laughs> helicopters got to be flying over in seconds. The benefits of living in Venice, right? Um, I'm training for a race off of Catalina in November called Utilo. Uh, it start, originated in like, Swiss, I think it's Sweden. It means island to island uh, swim run. It's a, its own sport where you swim a little bit in the ocean, you do a trail run, you swim a little bit in the ocean, you do a trail run, you bounce back and forth between the two. It ends up being, I think it's like two mile swim and then like almost a half marathon of trail running. Wow. So with that on the horizon, a few months out, started to do like one to two ocean swims a week. Mm -hmm. I realize I'm fortunate. I have a, a level of conditioning and skill set in swimming for all those years that 
I don't need to swim much more than that. So I'm mm. kind of shifting my focus to trail running. And then it's like, honestly, if you look at my Strava, you can tell I'm lying. So I'm not even going to try. Like the goal is to get to two trail runs a week, but I have been absolutely terrible at making that happen because I haven't set up it in a way that's frictionless decisions. Mm. So a lot of times it's right now I'm doing like two more bodybuilder um, like style lifts, upper body. I have a, a Wednesday workout group that I run with forever athlete, just fun games on the beach on Wednesdays. And then just kind of intuition, see how I'm feeling the other couple days, yoga on Sundays, always ice mm. bath after that. And like I'm golden mm. heading into the mm. week. I love that. I'm going to challenge you after we get off this podcast you got to find when you're going to include those trail runs. If you're going to talk about it today and about how we can build these habits into our lives, my challenge for you after we wrap up this podcast, find the days of the week and times of day, pencil in and start next week, and then it's going to be locked in. That's why I said it. Added accountability, <laughs> leveraging it to my favor. <laughs> Let's go. Let's go. All right. We're going to get into the final five questions. These are just one sentence answers, um, and we'll kind of take them one at a time. Five questions. First question. What does forever athlete mean to you? Ever moving forward and growing. Love that. If you could go back and tell yourself one piece of advice at any point of your life, what would it be and when? It would be right when that last race happened. Tell myself to drop the ego, get okay with becoming a beginner again. It's going to turn out okay. Wow. That's powerful. What's an area of your life you need to put more effort into? It's hmm. a good one. I would say, say relationships mm. in the, in the, in the more romantic sense, I would say. We're in the same boat, brother. Yeah. I've been, I've been dialed in on business, personal growth, a couple years single now at this point. It's like, not that I'm actively searching, but totally open to it and putting more effort into being open to it. I, I love that. I'm, I'm right in that same boat. So I'm picking up what you're putting down. Um, what's the first step anyone can take to reaching their inner potential? Start. <laughs> That's it. I said one, I said one sentence, he goes one word, boom. It's literally the truth. <laughs> if somebody's made it through the last 57 minutes of this podcast, what is one challenge you have for them after they wrap up listening to this podcast today? Mm. Identify an area where there's a lot of friction in their life and they don't want it to be and take one step to starting to eliminate that friction. So mm. if it's, you wanted to, I said, you know, start your thing, whatever it may be. If you want to get started, but you keep finding that there's friction just keep reassessing where you're at and make it so dummy proof that you can't help but succeed. Yeah. It's so, so important. Just make, breaking down whatever these big ideas and new habits and goals and just what are the, you want to try yoga for the first time? What's the first step? Buy a yoga mat, get that boom. Then you want to sign up for the class, do that. Then show up to class, do that. You know, it's all these little mini things that when you break it down, it's very just one step in front of the other. But the idea of just, doing it is just not going to ever help us. Yeah. I think we need to write a book uh, on 
how to how to do life for dummies. We'll 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 title it. We'll we'll ghost author just the bearded bros. There we go. And nobody's gonna know. It's no one's gonna perfect. listen to this far in the podcast anymore, right? <laughs> exactly. They tuned they tuned up after I was giving my spiel on something. They're like, all right, bearded guy, we don't fucking care anymore. Uh, Corey, seriously, this was such a great conversation. So authentic, real, just even doing the research for this podcast. Um, and really when I listen, when I listened to your episode with Nick bear, I was just, there were so many, I was so excited to listen to that podcast because one, I just met you Two, You have a podcast with the go Nick bear. I was like, this is gonna be a great episode, but really sincerely. And I sent this to you and I think in the audio message or maybe when we're on a call, but you're as listening from all the years of experience as a host and, and, and being able to listen to you from your host perspective, you are incredibly good at it. You, you're very present. Uh, you ask really great questions, really from a intentional of like, you're, you're curious to learn. And, and you, you mentioned that way early on in the podcast mm-hmm. today. So it immediately makes sense to me. But just for the reason of why you do what you do, which I, I it's so clear to me is you're, you're trying to help others that are, are in a similar or were in a similar seat as you were in the past. And I think when you have a true north like that, it will allow you to continue to move forward no matter the successes, no matter your ups and downs within the journey because it's just such a – you just go back to like that feeling and it's just never – nobody's ever going to understand it except you. Similarly, like nobody's going to understand the feeling when I graduated and I was kind of very much searching for my identity. Mm. Um, so I, I, I empower you to just continuously keep putting one foot in front of the other, whether it's through the coaching, whether it's through the podcast – uh, I think people are going to really, really enjoy this episode. And I think you've shared a lot of wisdom and, and really, I think, uh, people, if they haven't yet already given themselves permission to start doing the things they want to do, I hope this is the moment. This is the episode that allows them to do so. Bobby, man. Thank you. Thank yeah. you for having me in the space. What you've created here, impactful stuff. It's power. It's a powerful space. I love uh, love the energy. I love the dialed inness that you bring <laughs> to this world, man. It's, uh, it's it's inspirational. So thank you. It's about an honor, man. We got to give a shout out to JT Barnett too. If it wasn't for his birthday, we wouldn't have uh, had a chance to meet. So shout out to JT, just connecting thoughts left and right. Yeah, man. What a guy. Uh, what a guy. <laughs> what, a, what a guy. What a guy. Ladies and gentlemen, if you enjoy this episode today, please, 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 I have a favor to ask from you. Screenshot this episode on whatever platform you are listening in on. Post it to your IG story. Tag Corey, not me first, tag Corey, at Corey Camp. That's C-O-R-Y-C-A-M-P. Tag him, tag me, at Bob A. That's B-O, three Bs, four A's and a Y. Show the podcast on your IG story. Let us know what was the biggest takeaway. What was the learning? How did your mindset change? What was the change of perspective? I'd be, especially with the amount of different topics that we touched on today, whether it's discipline, uh, not listening to the ego, recreating your identity, what was the takeaway for you? I'd be super curious to learn. Uh, also, I will have linked up in the description below. Please give the Athletic Mindset Podcast a listen. You can also uh, find Corey at coreycamp.com. Also below, I'll have foreverathletela.com linked up uh, where you can check out some of the, his offerings there. Is there anything else that I should be plugging? Did I miss anything? You got most of it, man. We're actually, we'll announce it here. You heard it here first. We're rebranding the podcast to Bam. Forever Athlete Radio. Love um, it. Really excited about that. Working with your guy, Trent. Shout out to Trent. Let's Nobody's go, listening baby. to this one. Let's uh, go. <laughs> um, 
So I'm excited for that, man. And we got a book all around athlete identity coming out the end of October. For, it's titled Forever Athlete, How to Tap Do you know the date? Do you know the date it's coming out? Not yet. Okay, because this is going to come out October 18th. So hopefully this it'll will, be right. This will be out first, but if okay. you're still listening at this point, Forever <laughs> Athlete, How to Tap in Your True Identity Daily, hit me up. Love to get your copy, sign it, get it in your hands, and we'll make it happen. I love that. I will have the updated uh, link and titling of the podcast below. I didn't know if that was going to be dropped today, and I should have asked before we got into the podcast. But All good. The cat is out of the bag, as they say. I love it, man. It's going to be October 1st redone, so we'll be good. I love it. I love it. Well, Corey, thank you for being on the podcast today, my man. Bobby, thank you. Ladies and gentlemen, it's the Bearded Man Podcast. See ya.